From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, a podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my high privilege to have as my guest, Mr. John Schlager, Esquire. John, welcome. Thank you, Taylor. Nice to be here. And you're no stranger to the AMS family. You've uh, been, what, associated with the Archdiocese for Military Services going back over, what, a decade or more. I was uh, hired as general counsel in 2007. I see. And uh, you were here for a number of years. When I arrived in 2011, you were still the general counsel. And you've since moved on to other things. And we're here to talk about the St. John the 23rd Foundation, which was uh, announced uh, on February 8th, 2023, last month, by Archbishop Timothy Brolio. John, tell me, what is the St. John 23rd Foundation? Sure, uh, happy to talk about it, Taylor. Uh, the, so the foundation is an independent 501c3 committed to supporting the various ministries of the Archdiocese and similarly situated ministries that support the nourishing of the faith in the military and veterans administration um, facilities and hospitals. The idea behind the foundation is twofold. One, it's to raise funds so that the board of directors can make grants in support of different projects and programs that align with the mission and ministry of the foundation. The second is it's to manage, maintain, and make grants from an endowment. And an endowment is a way by which the foundation can support ministries in perpetuity. Um, And so the board of directors takes a gift from an individual, invests that gift uh, with a holding company, sort of, T. Rowe Price, Catholic Investment Services, Knights of Columbus, one of the many Catholic-aligned investment houses, and then every year takes a certain percentage off the top of the investment income and then distributes that to the beneficiary for the intended purpose of the gift. It's not a gift for for today, it's a gift in perpetuity because an investment does two things. One, it, it brings in money every year that allows for the grant, but the second part of it, and I think the more important part is if you only take a percentage of the investment income, the income continues to grow. You compound the interest, what's called compounding interest. And so that fund will continue to grow over time. And so a gift of $100,000 today in 10 years could be a gift of 150000 And taking 3 or 4% off the top uh, at, at 100000 that's a $4,000 gift every year. At $150,000, that's a $6,000 gift every year. So... Uh, those are the two ministries of the of the uh, foundation right now, um, and it's it's wonderful to see the response that we're getting from donors who understand why a foundation is important and how a foundation works. I see. So you, uh, in the short what six weeks now that this foundation has existed, you already have donors. We do. We actually just got a ten thousand dollar gift last week. Wow. Okay. And you say the beneficiary is the beneficiary always. The AMS, the Archdiocese for the Military Services? Uh, No. Uh, Our bylaws and our our articles of incorporation state that the foundation can give to any organization that it sees as in line with its mission of supporting the practice of the faith in the military and veterans administration hospitals. Uh, So I can think of a number of organizations that either work with the AMS or, or are somehow associated with the ministry of the Archdiocese to which we would make a grant. I see. Can you give me some examples of those? 
Oh, I think a, a grant to the um, MCCW or perhaps even to the Capodanno Guild down in uh, down the line would be totally reasonable. Uh, we're not in the business of making grants yet. Uh, what a foundation uh, of this nature wants to do is first for the first three years raise the funds, build the endowment, um, build the the identity, and build the capital, and then within three or four years we should be in the business of taking applications for grants. I see. And of course the MCCW stands for Military Council of Catholic Women. Yes. Um, and uh, okay, well, uh, so it, this thing is going to be, this foundation is going to be uh, two or three years in what, uh, the, the building. And at that point uh, you'll be able to start deciding who the beneficiaries are, how much you're going to dole out to whichever one you choose. Yes. Uh, th there, there are certain funds within our endowment that are restricted funds to which a beneficiary has already been decided. And I'll give you the perfect example. Uh, it's the fund that is uh, the co-sponsored co uh, seminarian endowed fund, which underwrites uh, annually the cost of educating young men uh, as seminarians who will serve as future military chaplains. That, that money, because it was given by donors with the restriction that that is what it was for, that money every year will have to go to that intended purpose. Now, I, I say it has to go. It, it, it goes because the board of directors has passed a resolution stating that they are making a grant to underwrite the program every year. It's not as though it's money in and money out. Uh, the board of directors will have to look at the investment income, uh, what percentage of that, and then the archdiocese uh, will make an, a grant request uh, for the amount that they need, and then the foundation board will vote to either fund that amount, fund it a different amount, uh, or not fund it all based on on our investment income. I see. And the co-sponsored seminary program is an area of huge need in the Archdiocese for the military service. It, it is, uh, certainly. that We, we will have uh, no Catholic military chaplaincy without military chaplains. And I think that the, the ability to fund the education of young men who will become priests to bring that sacramental ministry that only a priest can bring to our men and women in uniform is, is, is of vital importance. And I think that our board of directors is very much committed to ensuring that they're fulfilling their fiduciary responsibility by ensuring that those funds are properly managed, properly, um, properly invested, and also properly distributed. I hear you. And uh, for the benefit of our listener who may not know, uh, the reason that there is such a demand in the co-sponsored seminary program is the chaplain shortage. Uh, the uh, number of active duty Catholic chaplains in the military has been declining for decades now. I mean, back at the time of 9-11, we were over 400. Now we're down under to 200. Uh, and uh, this, is a, this is a serious problem looking forward, right? It is. It's a, an incredibly serious problem, but I think Archbishop Prolio has done a wonderful job over the last few years as, in his role as Archbishop in creating a co-sponsored program that allows men who have an interest in becoming military chaplains to co-sponsor with their home diocese or religious community and um, enter the seminary with an understanding that they will become a member of that diocese or religious community. They will work in that diocese or religious community, but after a period of time will be released from military services, and then they'll do hopefully 20, if not 20 uh, plus years, and then that they'll return to their home diocese. So it really is a co-sponsoring, because as you know, and uh, I'm sure some of your listeners know, the Archdiocese for Military Services does not incarnate its own priests. Um, it, it's just 
not able to do so um, for a number of reasons, which we don't need to get into today. But a priest who is a military chaplain is always a priest of somewhere else on loan to the archdiocese. So co-sponsored means that the uh, seminarian's home diocese is splitting the cost for the seminary education for that seminarian. Exactly. And if you look at one of our funds, uh, I don't want to get too too deep into the math, but maybe it's good for your, your listeners to, to understand. What we have is the ability to create a co-sponsored endowed scholarship starting at $50,000 with the expectation that when that fund or if that fund reaches $500,000, it will fully underwrite the costs associated with a, with a co-sponsored seminarian. Uh, just to not get too much into the math, but if the fund, if the, the, the foundation, what it really wants to do is take a 4% draw every year. And at $500,000, that's a $20,000 draw, which is just about the cost of educating and forming a seminary. The AMS's share. The AMS's share, <laughs> yes. <laughs> College education is going up in price, and that includes seminaries, too. Indeed. Uh, so, but the, as you point out, the silver lining here is that under Archbishop Brolio, the number enrolled in the co-sponsored seminary program has increased drastically. Uh, if you go back to uh, when, when Archbishop Brolio first became uh, Archbishop for the Military Services back in uh, 2008, at that time we had only seven men, only seven men coming through the pipeline uh, in seminary to become uh, military chaplains. Right before the pandemic, we uh, got up to a record level of like 47. And uh, then there's been a slight uh, drop off since then, but it's coming back up again. I think right now we're right at 40. But still, compared to 2008 when we were down to seven, that's a huge, huge increase and gives us a, a lot of hope that we will find. Uh, you know, if, if we can't reach the levels before uh, the, the, the numbers started dropping, uh, at least we'll start you know, coming back to, you know, at least increasing what we have now. So tell me more about the foundation. Uh, your, what, what is your uh, role in the foundation, your title, if you were, and uh, who's, who's, who belongs? You talk about the board, who's on the board. Tell us a little more about the structure of the foundation. Sure, uh, happy to do it. As, as, as two lawyers sitting in front of each other, legal structures are, are the, things, right. the, the things that wake us up in the morning. <laughs> That's right. Sure. That uh, and process. That and process, exactly. Uh, so the foundation is created as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It's independently governed. It was independently created. Uh, so the it, the foundation itself is a DC not-for-profit corporation. It's governed by the laws of the District of Columbia, um, and it finds its 501c3 status as part of the group ruling afforded to all Catholic organizations in the United States. Uh, the, the foundation is not governed um, by Archbishop Rolio or by anyone at the Archdiocese. It's governed by its own independent board of directors. Uh, the board of directors um, elects its members, uh, it elects its officers, and then Archbishop Rolio has the role of the president of the foundation. Uh, the Archbishop for Military Services will always be ex officio the president, and with that comes certain responsibilities and duties. But he, he is not a member of the board, he does not vote um, at meetings, and he and his successors um, will, will not vote at, at the board. They are not considered uh, directors of the foundation. So we started off with a very small uh, board of directors, six. Um, one of them, uh, who is our new chair, is Mr. Joseph Starshek. Uh, Joe is an um, investment banker out of Chicago, uh, re Navy retired, um, but 
has his own investment um, firm where he works with a, a number of Catholic nonprofits and other nonprofits in the Chicago area. Uh, our, our vice president is uh, General Chris Burney. Chris Burney was a retired three-star who was the TJAC of the United States Air Force. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing, nothing short of a miracle that we have the former CEO of, of the world's second or third largest uh, uh, law firm as, as the vice president of Very the board, nice. as the vice chairman of the board. Um, and then uh, Michelle Bow. Michelle Bow is uh, the ambassador of the Order of Malta to Palestine, uh, and she's president of the Holy Family Hospital Foundation. She is our treasurer. Uh, Mark Chopko, who's a well-known attorney in D.C. and who was uh, general counsel of the Bishop's Conference for a number of years, uh, he is our secretary. And then we have two additional board members, um, General Sean McFarland and uh, General John Whistler. Uh, both men are, are three-star lieutenant generals, uh, retired. Um, Sean is, is Army and John is, is Marine Corps, so I think that they bring a nice balance of the different services uh, and they have a, a strong commitment to the, the work of the foundation. John and Sean are both the members of the nominations committee, so they have the unenviable task of building a board of directors. Our bylaws allow for, I think, 23 or 25 members, so we are actively uh, searching and, and building the board. And I'm happy to say we had a board of directors meeting and, uh, on Monday and we elected four new members, um, really? four, four new directors. So I, got, I have got four more bosses in, <laughs> in a matter of, of a two-minute election. Uh, and if I can just read through their names uh, quickly. Anita Raines, who is pretty well-known to folks at the Archdiocese. Uh, Anita is a retired colonel, uh, very active uh, in, in supporting the Archdiocese. She's also president of the Archdiocese for the Military Services section of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of which I'm a member, so it's, it's nice to have Anita on board. Um, Greg Miller, who is a uh, businessman out of Chicago, who uh, spent some time in the Air Force, now is an uh, adjunct professor at Harvard University and CEO of a major company based out of Chicago, um, Faithful Catholic, so we're, welcome, we're glad to have Greg on board. Um, Brita Shelton. Brita Shelton is a well-known Catholic philanthropist out of Arlington, Texas, who uh, serves with Archbishop Prolio on the Communications Committee at the Basilica of the National Shrine, and her father uh, was a Marine, um, uh, saw action in World War II in the South Pacific. Uh, so Brita brings a nice perspective of you know, being growing up in a military family, growing up as the daughter of a Marine, but also uh, a, a, an understanding of Catholic philanthropy that's second to none. She's, she serves on any number of boards of directors. Uh, and then Matthew Bunsen, uh, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who uh, works for EWTN. Um, Matthew is, is well known to, I'm sure, many of your listeners, and we're looking to him to build a communication structure. Wow, uh, this thing is moving fast. Uh, like, you know, how long has it taken you to pull together this organization? It has to have been a challenge. When did you start? And tell me about the background of it. Sure. Uh, you know, this, this all started uh, in conversations about a year ago um, with Archbishop Brolio and with, um, with his general counsel, Elizabeth Tomlin, where we, we came up with a concept of a foundation. Um, I, I filed articles of incorporation in order to create the foundation. And uh, it, it's been about a year in the works. Um, it's about six months behind the scenes and then the six month in the public phase. We had our first meeting of the board of directors in September of 2022. Uh, we just had uh, our first meeting after our first meeting uh, <laughs> on Monday. And then we'll have a meeting in Chicago in June. 
I see. And uh, I should uh, say for the benefit of our listener that the Archdiocese for the Military Services um, ministers to Catholics in all branches of the U.S. military. And you're talking Marines, Air Force, generals, and colonels. Uh, well, uh, the, the, our uh, service population, I suppose, for lack of a better word, would be all, what, how many branches are there now? you got the Space, Space Force, Force in addition to the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, the Navy, the, uh, well, I've already said Air Force, and Coast Guard too, right? Yeah. And then uh, veterans uh, hospitalized in uh, VA medical centers. And then uh, civilians working for the federal government beyond U.S. borders. But that's a one group of uh, folks that, uh, due to uh, you know limits in, in funding and, and, and uh, staffing and whatnot, uh, we're not quite able to reach as well as we'd like to. Uh, the primary beneficiaries of uh, the funds you're able to raise will be those either serving in the military or veterans is that right that that is and i think that our, our primary focus will be on those who are currently in uniform active duty got you all right well let's talk a little bit about you and your background now you this is your specialty uh working for nonprofits and uh, forming i suppose nonprofits and working with the catholic church uh tell me about your background where are you from uh, where did you go to law school where did you go to undergraduate uh, more about you john schlager i don't like talking about me but <laughs> but i will okay thank I, you I, I am a native of hollywood florida uh, i i grew up in the part of the world where you have to drive north to go south hollywood <laughs> okay. florida was a wonderful place uh, for people from new york to retire uh, my parents were both new yorkers and so i fit that mold um, I, I came to D.C. in 1999, uh, where I was an undergraduate student at, at the Catholic University of America. Um, I was a history major, so I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So what, what does a history major do? You go back to school. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually looking from your office. I can see my law school. It's, it's two blocks away. Uh, I, I look I, at it fondly every day, even though I didn't go there. Well, I don't look at it fondly. If, if, <laughs> if, I, I did take one course. Okay. I, I, I'm a true believer that if you were uh, if you enjoyed law school, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but, uh, so I was a 2006 graduate of, of Catholic University. Um, I went back to Florida to take the bar. Uh, I had a job lined up, and after a few uh, weeks back home, I decided that home was no longer home, and I was wanted to come back to D.C. Uh, I was hired in the general counsel's office at Catholic University. They were looking for a young attorney to do some community outreach and some um, some work uh, with their other Catholic organizations, some of the subsidiaries of, of the university. Uh, from there, I, I worked there for a few years, and um, the archdiocese was in need of a general counsel. Uh, then the then vicar general, Monsignor Dixon, called me into his office um, and said, you know, we have this opening. We've been told that you have an understanding of church organizations that uh, not many have, and that you also have some understanding of canon law. So we would, would you have an interest in a job like this? And I said, you know, Monsignor, to be in-house counsel at the diocese, this would have been my dream come true job 20 or 30 years from now. He said, well, I can make it a lot sooner. You can, you can start tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had the honor and privilege of serving as Archdiocesan General Counsel from 2007 until 2016. Um, in 2015, Archbishop Brolio was kind enough to recommend me for the board of directors of a small nonprofit Bethlehem University Foundation committed to supporting 
Bethlehem University in the Holy Land. And uh, being a, a lawyer on a board, I ran my mouth at too many meetings. And, <laughs> and in 2016, I was asked to serve as executive director of the foundation for a five-year term. Uh, having fulfilled the term um, and being in the middle of COVID, it seemed like a very good time to start a new company. And uh, so with a few partners, we created a, a consulting firm, JKT Group. We do everything from managing uh, small nonprofits uh, from the ground up. Um, as a, we, we do, we perform audits of smaller nonprofits. We work alongside a board of trustees uh, in creating mission and ministry and uh, donor giving programs and all of those things that are necessary for good board governance. All the way to what we're doing here, where um, my firm has been con- has been contracted for me to provide executive director services to the St. John the Twenty Third Foundation. I'm talking to John Schlagater, Esquire, uh, who is uh, the um, executive director of the St. John 23rd Foundation, a new foundation that uh, uh, serves the needs of Catholics in the U.S. military. Um, so uh, let's look ahead and, and uh, what are your priorities? You say it'll be three to five years or so before you have enough uh, in reserves to, to make grants. Uh, have you established any priorities yet, or is that all still taking shape as you go? Well, I think we have uh, a, a rather large priority right now, and that's to create um, a, a general endowed fund. Right now we have the co-sponsored seminarian endowed fund. We have a few other restricted endowed funds. But what we want to do is build a, a, a general fund from the ground up that will allow the board of directors to respond directly to the needs of of what they see as fulfilling the ministry of the foundation. Um, and so in order to do so, we've created a donor giving society called the Patrons. And the Patrons are people who, by making a gift of 25000 or more over five years to the endowment, are really making that investment into the future. That they, they, they buy their gift, you know, the $25,000 today, as we talked about compounding interest, will be 30000 in two or three years, will be $50,000 in 10 years. Uh, and so building that fund by allowing people to come together to make an investment, not at the $500,000, but at the $25,000 level, 5000 over five years, uh, pooling their resources and creating a fund that will allow this foundation to respond to the needs of the archdiocese and others, organizations, in perpetuity. A, a gift to an endowment is not a gift for today. It's not a gift for tomorrow. It's a gift for forever because we never touch that corpus. We always live uh, live off the investment income and continue to grow the investment income you leave the principal alone you live on the interest exactly i see all right now uh the uh, archdiocese already has a advancement office a, a very talented one indeed so what's the difference I think that it's a major difference. Uh, and to go back to what I just said about a gift for today, a gift for tomorrow, or a gift for forever, there are many donors who want to make a gift for today. They want to see their gift being used. And for them, that's the Archdiocesan Development Team, is, is that's their responsibility. They are charged with supporting the Ministry of the Archdiocese today to raise the funds necessary for all of the expenses associated with ensuring the practice of the, of the faith uh, to our, our young men and women in uniform and veterans uh, in, in VA hospitals. Um, that's a certain kind of donor, and they, they support, their money supports the programs today. Our donors at the foundation are those who want to make that legacy gift of the to the endowment. And so if, 
if you want to support young adult ministry today, or if you want to write, underwrite the cost of a seminarian's education today, or you want to support the auxiliary bishops in their ministry by underwriting their travels uh, around the world, th then by all means, you, your gift should go to the Archdiocese and you should continue to work with the Archdiocese and development team uh, and all the wonderful things they do. But if you have an interest in, in making a gift to the endowment that will last in perpetuity and will continue to underwrite a program uh, associated with uh, your, your intention or want to make a gift to that general endowed fund, then I think reaching out to the foundation is, is the way to do so. And how can they reach out to the foundation? Uh, well, they can write to us. Uh, we have uh, P.O. Box 4420 uh, in Washington, D.C., 20017. They can call me on my phone, 202-230-4316. Uh, they are more than welcome to write me an email at execdtr at stjohnxxiii.org. Um, or they can visit our website. Uh, a simple search of the St. John the 23rd Foundation will, will bring up our, what I think is a beautiful website. <laughs> and so I thank Cheryl on my staff for doing a, a, a wonderful job in putting that site together. And for the donor, uh, there are advantages beyond just uh, contributing long-term to the mission of the archdiocese, right? I mean, I suspect there are tax advantages, right? Well, the, the tax advantages that come with uh, any gift to a 501c3, their gift is deductible to the extent that they are, are allowed to um, under the laws of the United States. The, you and I both have law degrees, but I don't think we can figure out the tax code. Uh, <laughs> right. You need a good accountant for that. <laughs> Uh, and and we can also take gifts in various forms. We, um, you know, there there are those who I'm sure will leave uh, their life, um, their life insurance policies to as benefit make the foundation a beneficiary of their life insurance policies. We we can accept gifts of appreciated stock. Many larger donors who are making gifts in the twenty five to the hundred to million dollar level, um, the easiest way to make a gift is to to just send us a, a portion of their stock portfolio, and then they. They're saved from the taxes, and and um, uh, and and we get a very nice gift from that. Now, is it only money that you accept? If I have a Rolls Royce, can I give a Rolls Royce to the foundation? You can. Uh, we would sell it immediately, but <laughs> but yes, we we do accept in kind gifts. I see. Okay. Well, uh, very interesting. Uh, so, any closing thoughts for the uh, listener out there who uh, might want to donate, or the listener who's just curious about how all this works? Sure. Um, you know, I am, I am always accessible. Uh, reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to talk about foundations and uh, how this foundation works and what it does uh, and, and, and what it doesn't do, I think, is also important to, to understand. We, we, we are not the Archdiocesan Fundraising Department, as we just stated. Uh, we, we are a separate 501c3. Uh, but your gift to the foundation, especially if it's a gift to the endowment, is it, a gift that will last forever. And you're building a legacy by that gift to the foundation. And I think that, you know, that there's no better gift than one that will continue to support the ministry long after you're gone, you and I are gone, uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the military chaplaincy continues, the Catholic military chaplaincies. Absolutely, and of course, Archbishop Brolio is working very hard to make sure the chaplaincy continues, particularly the Catholic chaplaincy. Yeah. John Schlagner, attorney at law, uh, executive director of the uh, newly formed St. John the 23rd Foundation. John, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Taylor. 
Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve serve.